The need for love and security is so strong that some people will do anything to feel like they're in a relationship, including attaching to an unavailable person and then structuring their whole life, their hopes, their plans, the way they spend their time to feel like this person who isn't into them really is into them, that they're the one. Now the story of impossible love has been pounded into our imaginations by thousands of TV shows and movies where one person is really damaged and bitter and then this wonderful person comes along who loves them unconditionally and basically heals them into being the amazing loving partner of their dreams. But what actually happens when you love an unavailable person unconditionally? My letter today is from someone I'll call Erin and she writes, Dear Anna, I'm interested in this guy, Edward. He's the first person I met on a dating app. I'm 26 and he's 10 years older than I am. I've got the pencil here. And I'm gonna circle things I wanna come back to on a second reading, but let's read through Aaron's letter and see how it comes out. See if I can help. All right. He is the sweetest person ever. He's gentle and sensitive. He suffers from agoraphobia and he rarely leaves the house. Mm -mm. We chatted on and off. We met once at his place. We kissed and nothing else happened after that. He was the second person I ever kissed. The first was my ex of six years. As you guessed, I fell hard for Edward. He says he wants to see me again. I'm not one to play games and I was direct. I told him I like him a lot, but at the same time, I told him I won't sleep with him because I don't want him to see me just for sex. Plus, I'll only have sex after marriage. To keep it short, I made it clear that I don't want him to treat me like disposable toilet paper. I want a relationship with him. It took him four days to reply, and this was also because I asked if he's okay. He tells me he is hurt and doesn't know what to say. He tells me he's not super emotionally available. He says he likes me and wants to know me better and that he's working on himself. I could see that he is improving for about a week. Improving? Hmm. Improving what? He would ask about my day, what my plans are. He never does that. This was also when he reveals that he used to date local celebrities and his last relationship was four years long. This tells me that he's able to sustain a relationship. But after that, he goes back to being distant. When I confront him on serious matters, this is not just for sex, right? He would disappear and ignore my questions and I would apologize and hope he would reply. He tells me work is hard. I would send him video messages, try to cheer him up. I would tell him daily that he's amazing and that I hope he knows it. I would offer to cook and send food over to him, but he would refuse. He also denies my visits. He tells me he has depression. I told him I'm here to stay. And I also said, tell me if you couldn't see a future of us being together. And this is what he replied word for word. I don't know, I don't think so. I don't wanna hurt you, but I can't look past my sadness right now. I tried clarifying again, clarifying. You don't see us together in the future? And he snapped back saying, I can't think of anything right now, okay? Anna, does he really mean it or could it be his depression speaking? He's on meds, but his supply ran out when he texted me that. And prior to this conversation, he says he isn't tired of me. He's tired of life. I've known him for two months now, I'm so confused. Is this just him being emotionally unavailable? I miss him. I really like him. I don't want him to ignore me and I want a life with him. 
I want to salvage this. Can I salvage this? Did I do something wrong? He is the second person I ever kissed, I've ever loved. Please, please, please help me. My heart hurts so much. I wish I can reach into my chest and squeeze it so it stops aching. Please help me understand my situation and provide clarity. Sincerely, Aaron. Okay, Aaron, I gotcha. I don't think what you're going to hear from me is what you were hoping to hear or what you really expected. But I'm just going to say, I think that you are in a very bad mental health state. That's what I think. And I think sometimes when it's when it's this pronounced, a really good thing to do is to seek out therapy. So first, let me say that. That's where I'm going to go with this. So here's why I say that. You're 26. You've only had one relationship and it only... Um, you had your, fir your, your, your first kiss with somebody other than this past relationship with somebody you met online on a social media app, right? Met him on a, da oh, a dating app, okay. So dating apps, let me just help set the stage here. A dating app is a way that you can get exposed to hundreds of people, hundreds of people who may or may not represent themselves accurately. Um, if you're a 26-year-old woman, chances are very high that there will be many men who would like to have sex with you. And some of them will be open about that. Some of them might date you. Some of them might trick you. So who knows? Dating apps are notoriously complicated and messy, and a person needs to be very smart if they're going to use them successfully. Okay? So you chatted with him off and on. He's the sweetest person ever, and you say this casually. He has agoraphobia and rarely leaves the house. Okay, that happens to people. That is a mental health condition. It's not unheard of. Um, but I would say if somebody can't leave the house, they are just like right away, that's not a good person for you to date. Here's somebody you don't even know, and I'm gonna get into it with the way you've dedicated your entire life to him after meeting him one time. This is why I say I think it's therapy time. Um, yeah, he's got serious problems. And what I like about him is he's been very upfront. He has agoraphobia. He doesn't think he sees a future with you. He has a lot of depression. He can't really think about other things right now. So you're, I think your confusion where you're like, am I hearing it wrong? Could I twist this in a way that means that he actually loves me and it's going to work out? Ah, that's what limerent people do. That's not what he's saying. What he, you can take him at face value. He you know, was interested enough, but he won't even let you come visit him anymore. And I'll tell you why, and this might hurt, but you're, you're being like a stalker, okay? He's trying to set boundaries with you. Sometimes um, people aren't very good at doing it nicely. Maybe he should have never accepted a date with you. Who knows? But he's telling you now he can't do this right now. And you, you noticed he was nice and sweet and sensitive. So I can tell, yeah, he's, he's maybe not being as direct as he could be. Or maybe he is and you're not hearing it. Because the little that he is saying, I think you're not hearing you said, I'm here to stay. I'm going to cook for you. I'm going to cheer you up. I'm going to send you stuff all the time. And I just want to tell you, Aaron, when you do date again, I want to really encourage you to have a therapist and maybe a 12-step program of like Love Addicts Anonymous and people to support you and help you get a read on what is considered an appropriate speed of getting to know somebody. So I would say you can't really decide that you love somebody and want to stay with them forever in less than 12 to 18 months. Anything less than that I would consider hasty. One meeting, 
definitely like something's going on with your thinking there. It's not a rational choice. And especially with what he's telling you that he's not really available. He doesn't want to be with you. He doesn't want you to come over. It's a very weird thing for you to make a decision inside that that's it. I'm going to be with him. So a lot of times I get letters from people and they have a little bit of they're simultaneously like doing what you're doing, but part of them is aware of it. And they're like, ah, God, I'm just like stuck in this relationship. But I hear you literally asking me like, how do I save this? And so you can't save this. This is not a good situation. You can save yourself by allowing it to slip away. I don't think you even have to do anything. He's, he's trying not to see you right now. One day you'll be in a relationship with somebody who does at least as much work as you do to try to make the whole thing work. And that is very likely to require that you learn to go very, very slowly in dating. So I'm going to tell you that as a heads up, but there's something going on where, you know, you didn't tell me about your background, but I can guess some hard things happen in your background that would have made you so you skip over what people actually tell you and your fantasy mind kind of takes over and runs the show and you know propels you towards that person and tries to convince them that this is really so great and so as somebody who has tried to convince somebody that wasn't into me before that they should be into me i can just tell you like it does not get the results you want even if you succeed in getting them to go okay fine i'll hang out with you another day or two it's miserable when you know it's not what they chose. It's a totally different thing when somebody is seeking out your companionship. But healthy people, they might be attracted to you at the beginning, but they're going to pull back. And I do not consider Edward a healthy person because he's got agoraphobia right now. That's very, very serious. And, um, and, other, and he's depressed. So I'm not saying he's a bad person, but he's got two mental health things right now that are, you know, negatory for getting involved in a relationship with somebody. You know, for couples who have been together a long time and one person falls into, you know, a mental health, you know, downturn, you know, depression or agoraphobia, fear of going outside, uh, you know, then there's a relationship there that might be worth, you know, you stay together, you support each other. And those are depression and agoraphobia are two things that people can get through. But not people who don't know each other. People who don't know each other can't do that for each other. So I just hear like there's something in you that is so just wants somebody to love so much that you will deny every bit of reality. The fact that it's not a, you know, that you'll just deny everything to pretend this is the one and it's this exalted love. That's an addiction for a lot of people, the belief in this like great exalted love and it'll be so perfect and beautiful and it can really do damage to a person's life. It's a, it's a fantasy. And um, there's people who encourage fantasy. They're like, oh, you need fantasy to keep things interesting. It's like, well, we're not, <laughs> what they're talking about and what you're doing are two different things where you overlay reality with something that is completely contrary to what's actually going on to the point that if you continue, you're going to get very, very hurt. This is not somebody who's into you or who can be what you're looking for. And in fact, if you want, the signs are there that he's trying to set boundaries. And I've done this before with somebody who got this way about me. I ended up having to call the cops to make them stop. They couldn't take no for an answer. They kept having these ideas that somehow, you know, there's all this magical thinking that it really was actually something and I just needed to come around and they impersonated people online so they could send me emails and try to engage me in conversations. And luckily those emails just like, I smelled a rat. I was like, this is not right. This is weird. 
But in the end, if it gets to the point that you have to set a boundary that hard with somebody, it's, you know, <laughs> you don't want that to end up happening to you. That's not something you want to, that's not a trauma you want to go through. So now is the time to pull yourself back. I'm really going to encourage you, therapy and 12-step program for love addiction. That's where you can learn uh, how other people have dealt with this. You can hear their stories. I think it's really hard when you're in the middle of it to even begin to reckon with reality and be like, oh my gosh, I just gave all my emotional energy to somebody I didn't even know and they weren't really interested. And what was I thinking? Like those thoughts are very good, positive thoughts. And that's how healing begins, but you can't do it till you're safe. That's a lot why that fantasy thinking is coming in because, you know, the like reality is really hard for you right now and you're, you're escaping it. And I'm, you know, I'm not a therapist, but I would just say that's sort of a common sense interpretation of what's going on. You want that love so bad, you're willing to go to any lengths to convince yourself that this is it. So I think everybody would agree, like, that's not a good way to, that's, that's not a successful way to get love. It leads to pain. It leads to hardship. And a really good thing that you can do right now is just turn your ship around, start focusing on healing yourself, getting grounded in reality so that you can use a slow process when you date again of listen to what they say, come back and talk to your friends, help get a realistic read on it, you know, go back out, have a date, you know, go very slow. And this is a case, if you take my dating course, you can see I give a thing called structured dating. It shows you how to go very slowly. But I'm not encouraging you to rush out and start dating again. There's clearly a big trauma wound going on here with you. And I really encourage you to get serious support and guidance on how to come back into your real life with that. I, I expect there's pain involved in coming back. That's all, I, uh, that's always why we fly out of ourselves. It's like, oh, this is too much. I can't deal with this. Uh, and I understand it's hard. It's a lot to deal with sometimes. So we need help. We need help. In reality is the only place that real love actually happens. Love does not happen in the fantasy realm. It doesn't happen in the thing that we force. Love happens in present time in reality. And so that's where we want to live, not, not, you know, consumed about what happened in the past, not anxious about the future, not fantasizing and projecting about if I just said the perfect thing, could I turn this guy's heart around? If you're doing that, you know, you're limerent. That is just, that's pure limerence or watching them on social media and trying to see, is he giving me a sign? So that's what I heard. I heard limerent behavior when you're just like, when he said, I can't see a future. And you're like, yes, but is that just the depression talking? Like, even if it were the depression talking, it's not somebody who's into you. So that's, that's just me like giving you one initial dose of reality here. What I also saw here, Aaron, is that you were using codependency to try to get your angle with him is that, you know, I'll cook for you. I'll come in, I'll check on you. I'll ask how you're doing. Um, you know, I'll just be so amazing and don't worry, I'll never leave you no matter how bad it is. So that's codependent behavior. And that is something that people often think of as sort of like the harmless little companion to the actual bad kind of person, like a narcissist or an addict or something. But codependency all by itself is a bad thing that will rob you of your happiness. It will keep you in a distorted reality where you think that your happiness comes by putting demands on another person and then trying to extract what you believe will make you happy. There's another way. 
where you work on your own life and become happy, and then you become attractive to somebody who comes along and loves you as you are, and there's no manipulation necessary. They're not a project. You don't have to change them. You don't have to interpret their depression. They're just a person, and they love you. Thank you so much for listening. If you love my content, think about joining my membership program. You can find out more information about that and all my courses and coaching programs at crappychildhoodfairy.com. Remember, healing is possible. People with childhood PTSD can have a wonderful life. Sometimes we just need a few workarounds. I'll see you next time.